Welcome to Everyday Oral Surgery, Surgeon's Talking Shop. This is your host, Dr. Grant Stuckey. In this podcast, you will be hearing surgeons discussing ways to improve the everyday practice of oral surgery. The ultimate goal of this podcast is to evaluate every aspect that a surgeon could improve in order to create a better experience for patients, staff, and the surgeon himself or herself. The vast majority of the information shared in this podcast will be based on personal experience and opinions. The techniques and methods discussed are only meant to provoke thought and should be supplemented with personal research into the clinically reviewed and approved studies prior to making changes to one's way of practice. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. Hello, my friends. This is Dr. Grant Stuckey. I am an oral and maxillofacial surgeon practicing in Denver, and I am your host of Everyday Oral Surgery. Have you ever been standing around at a conference and talking with a colleague or an acquaintance about techniques that you use in your practice and the person you're talking to starts describing something they do in their practice and you're thinking to yourself, wow, that is a really good idea. I've never heard of that. I've never done that. And I'd really like to try it. And so you kind of research it out and then you implement what it was that you heard or some variation of it. And the small change makes a big difference in the everyday practice of oral surgery or whatever type of surgery you're doing. And that is kind of the goal of this podcast is to provide at least one technique or thing that is happening in either my or someone else's practice with the hope of helping listeners out there to kind of stimulate thought and improve the daily practice of surgery. A tremendous author who is also a surgeon, Atul Gawande, he wrote a great book called Better, which I highly recommend. And I wanted to share a quote from it. He said, count something. Regardless of what one ultimately does in medicine, or outside of medicine for that matter, one should be a scientist in the world. If you count something you find interesting, you will learn something interesting. And that's a great quote I thought to kind of sum up what we're trying to do here is pay attention to what we're doing each day on a daily basis and count something and, and pay attention to what's going on and see if it helps you for the better or the worse. And then with your results, try to share that and help other people. The things that we'll be discussing in this podcast are by and large personal experiences and opinions. They're certainly not meant to be an end-all be-all to what you are doing in your practice. They're meant to stimulate thought and to supplement further research to make a change. So with all that said, I'd like to share something from my own practice that has helped me tremendously over the last couple of years. Before I do that, just a quick intro, I guess, to me. I did my dental school training at UCLA. It was amazing. I really enjoyed it. Did my oral surgery training in Chicago at the University of Illinois, and it was awesome. I am currently a father of six children. My wife and I have limited the family at six. We cannot handle any more or we'll go insane. My wife is awesome. She stays home with our kids most days and is incredible. Honestly, I feel like going to work is kind of a vacation. Some of you who have multiple children could probably relate to this. When I go home, the real work starts. And, and it's fun work. It's good work. It's great to be at home, but it is just a lot of work raising small children. One quick note on that this morning, hopefully some of you can relate to this, but I went into the restroom and there in the toilet was a poo log. 
and no toilet paper around it. And I'm thinking to myself, how does this scenario happen? How does this even occur? You see a dump in a toilet with no toilet paper. You start thinking to yourself of all the scenarios that could have happened to lead up to this picture. Maybe there was no toilet paper. You look, yep, there's a full roll of toilet paper. Hmm, maybe there wasn't before. Maybe the person wiped themselves, put in a different toilet, came back, loaded the toilet paper on the rack, and then forgot to flush and walked away. You go through all these scenarios, and in the end you realize what really happened is one of your small children took a dump, didn't wipe, didn't flush, walked away. And that is parenting. I mean, kids are sponges. They soak up so much of what parents do. They're totally watching and like little shadows. I feel like they're always following around, saying the things I say, doing the things I do. But in this occasion, I know I have taught them to wipe. So someone is not listening and someone is not being a good sponge child. Anyhow, just a note for those parents out there. thought you could appreciate that. So in my own practice, I have made this awesome change. And maybe it will help some of you. Maybe it won't. But I think it's something that everyone could potentially implement. And it's something that probably a lot of people don't think about. And let me start with a story. It all started for me in dental school. I love to play basketball. And this group of dental students at UCLA, also some law students, we would get up around 5.30 a.m. and go to this awesome gym in a church, full court with wooden floors and everything. And we would play what we called morning ball. And it was so awesome. It was you know, a good group of 10 to 15 guys who would get there. And my signature basketball move was the fadeaway. I mean, I grew up in the times of Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, Hakeem Olajuwon, and that was it. I mean, the fadeaway was how you create that indefensible shot, I guess. And being you know, only 5'10", I had to do something to shoot over tall people. Real quick, a side note, on, I'm looking at the internet here and it says that top five fadeaway players in the NBA were LeBron James, number five, Kobe Bryant, four, Michael Jordan, three, Hakeem at two, and then Dirk Nowitzki at one. I worship Dirk Nowitzki. Like, he's a seven-footer fading away. How amazing is that and how difficult to guard? Nearly impossible. Anyways, the fadeaway ended up getting me in trouble. One time I was fading away. And I felt something in my lower back shift, like really sharp pain and something really wrong shifted in my back. And I instantly just fell to the ground in horrible pain. And for like three days after that, I was in excruciating pain and I couldn't stand up straight. I was like hobbling around the clinic at dental school, bent over because I couldn't straighten my back. And everyone's looking at me like, dude, are you okay? You don't look too good, bro. I remember one of my friends, he came up to me, he's a big guy, and he's like, hey, man, do you want me to pop your back in place? I mean, and he was like going to do some Heimlich maneuver thing and squeeze me, and he was like, I swear, man, this will totally fix you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, do not touch me. That sounds horrible. And I could almost pass out just thinking about someone pinching or squeezing my back right now. 
looking back, I probably should have had him do that because I think my spine and my lumbar spine kind of shifted and got stuck maybe in a position where the vertebrae were just even a little bit off from the disc. And I think it was kind of putting pressure on my lower discs in my back. And it happened once after that in basketball. And then after a few days of go away, same thing. And then my back really didn't bother me. I went through oral surgery school. And, and as many of you know, there's a lot of bending over. Some of these surgeries are 10 plus hours and you're retracting or doing the surgery or whatever the case may be, but you're just standing and bending the whole time. And toward the end of my program, I started having, you know, occasional episodes where my back would flare up a little bit, but nothing bad. And then about, I'd say three, three or four years out of residency, I started training for triathlons and I always wanted to do triathlons. And so I started doing this training for sprints. I'm not that serious. I have friends who do Ironmans and half Ironmans and they're going to Hawaii and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But I just wanted to do the sprints. So I started training. And as I was training, I started feeling this lower back pain come back and it would start kind of getting worse. And then I'd stop training and it would kind of get better. And then I did a triathlon and everything was great. No issues in Colorado. And then I went to California to do a triathlon. And at the end of the race, my back was just killing me. Like I felt like a knife was sticking in my lower back. And so that's when I knew I just had to figure something out. So I went to the doctor a week or two after that and saw an orthopedic surgeon, got an MRI. It showed that my lowest disc at the 5-1 position was totally flattened, dehydrated. And I was in the spondylolisthesis where my spine was shifted forward. And then the disc above that had a radial tear and was dehydrated. No loss of disc height, but did not look pretty on the x-ray. And when I saw that MRI, I was just so depressed. I was just like, oh my gosh. It was like the first time I'd ever seen or felt that I truly, you know, had aged and my body had changed to a point that you know, I couldn't fix it. I, it's not like, you know, you, I don't know, sprain an ankle and it hurts, but then you get better. I was looking at something that was not fixable, you know? And so I knew I, I would never be the same after I saw that. And it was, it was so hard for me and my pain didn't go away. It just kept getting worse and worse and more persistent. And I went through so many different treatments, steroid shots, physical therapy, dry needling, you know, everything you can think of, traction, stem shell shots, everything, and nothing helped. Nothing really seemed to help at all. I even got a, a back surgery where I had a disc replacement surgery. But even before that surgery, my back was hurting so bad. And kind of, I, re I remember distinctly, I was trying to take out a root canal number 14. And I'm standing on, on the patient's right side, and I'm just bending over it. And it for those who do oral surgery and take out teeth a lot, you know it's very difficult to work with a mirror, and, and a lot of it is just direct vision. And when you're trying to take out a root canal number 14 or 15, and roots are breaking off into a thousand pieces, man, it is it is tough. And you're just cranking your lower back, you know, to try to bend and see what's going on there. 
my back was hurting so bad. I was just, after I took out that tooth, I was like, that's it. I can't do this. I, you know, I can't be taking out teeth like this. I have to switch, you know, and go on the left side for left sided teeth. And I think this thought had been in my mind for probably a few years, but I never really took it seriously. It had been in my mind because early on in my residency, my program director, Dr. Maloro, had said to all of the residents, hey, you guys should really consider, you know, standing on the, the left side when you're taking out a left tooth. Or if you're left-handed, stand on the right for a right-sided tooth. And his quick comment about it was that you can see better. And I think everyone kind of brushed it off when they heard that. And I was like, there's no way that would, that would just be so awkward. And why would I do that? You know, that I'm fine. I can see everything. It's, it feels like, you know, you're, you're invincible and you don't even have issues with your body. And you think you're Superman at that age. But I, I do remember thinking more about it as we did orthognathic surgery because he would always, if we were cutting our first cases with him, he was then on the right side. And, of course, he'd make us then on the left. And it was a little awkward, but it wasn't too bad. After a couple times, you know, I got used to it and I could pretty much stand, you know, on the left and even starting to use my left hand a little bit, but mostly using my right. And we, we did it and we did many, many surgeries like that where I was standing on the left side. I was like, oh, this really isn't too bad. And so then when my back pain kind of reached this climax, you know, I said, that's it. I'm switching. I told my assistants and of course the, rolled their eyes and looked at me like, are you serious? And I was like, I'm dead serious. And, you know, luckily they jumped on board pretty quick and like, okay, fine, let's do it. And so I started switching super awkward at first, um, had to go a lot slower, did most of the things on the left with my right hand. And most you can do, there, there are some things I feel like are super difficult to do with your right hand such as using a forcep on an upper tooth. It can be done, but for me, it was kind of awkward. And so I start, started kind of working my left hand in slowly and being careful and taking my time. And after, you know, a good six months to a year, I felt really good with basically doing everything with my left hand. The only thing I would do or, or do do with my right hand is sometimes on a number 32 when I'm doing the buckle trough and sectioning, I use my right hand. For some reason, it still feels better. But pretty much everything other than that, I use my left for. And it's awesome. You know, I'm standing or, or sitting. I kind of rotate now. I think most surgeons are trained to stand. But it's worth it, especially if you're having back pain, to see if it helps at all to sit. Anyhow, so took the time, made the change, and now I find it's a great thing for me. I can see better. I, my posture is a thousand times better. My back doesn't hurt nearly as much, and it's just amazing. I think when a lot of people hear stuff like this, especially if you don't have any back pain, you're like, oh, forget it. I'd never do that. I'm totally fine. People who have had some back pain maybe and have had some flare-ups are like, oh, that might be interesting. And people who are having a lot of back pain are probably like, that was really something I should probably do. But, I mean, so much better to start doing something like this and, and improve your posture before you have pain. I mean, I would never wish back issues on my worst enemy. It's so horrible. And it can be just so challenging mentally. It can cause depression. It can, you know, jeopardize your career. It can affect everything in your life, your home life. Uh, chronic pain is just the worst. 
And so it's so much better to make changes before you have pain and to take things seriously with your posture before you do it. I think people who are thinking maybe about switching sides, probably the big things that can stand out in their mind is as far as being negatives to doing it or, or roadblocks. I think one is that it's just going to be very awkward at first, you know, it's, it's change, change is hard. And so you have to slow down. You have to really take your time. You got to feel it out. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't like being uncomfortable, but it's something that, you know, you kind of have to try out. But I think if you're on the left with the right hand or vice versa, you can still feel pretty good and do a lot, you know, being on the opposite side and still using your dominant hand. Another thing, of course, I think that people are going to get a lot of pushback from assistants. Assistants are going to complain about it because they're also going to be in an awkward position where they're switching and kind of trying to use their other hand. And, you know, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I don't like this. And then, you know, it, it's speed, like we were talking about before, I think most oral surgeons probably take pride in, in being fast or, you know, doing their procedures quickly relatively when you compare it to a dentist it's like oh yeah i'm super fast and we're always looking for ways to go faster and quicker and see more patients and so something that potentially slows you down you, you know probably immediately you're like oh no forget it I, I, that, that would slow me down too much but i can tell you at first it certainly did um it, you know it took maybe 30 seconds to a minute to kind of switch things and you know you take out one in 32 and you switch over, you know, and you got to kind of move the tray and your assistant has to move the other side. I'm sorry. Earlier, I think I said I was taking out a 32, but I, what I meant was when you're on the right hand side, taking out 17, sorry, got that mixed up. But yeah, I think it, at first it takes some time to switch. And then after a while, you know, now it takes us time and it's about, you know, under five seconds, we can switch and keep going. So that amount of time added to the procedure, you know, even if it's, if it's 10, 15 seconds, is, is worth it when you think of the two huge benefits of improving posture and improving visibility. Those are awesome things that can really come out of this technique. So I hope that helps you out. Real quick, the stats on PubMed articles that I found, most of them said that among dentists, the prevalence of low back pain among dentists is roughly 70 to 80% of dentists have had some episode with lower back pain. 50% of those cases are low back, and then the other 50% are mid or upper neck pain. So the majority are low back. Of the 70%, 70 to 80% who have had back pain in dentistry, 90% reported it to be mild to moderate. 10% reported to be severe. And I can tell you from the orthopedic surgeons that I saw and have seen about my back, I almost always tried to ask them, like, do you ever see dentists here? And I, and I swear every single one of them said, I feel like half of my practice are dentists or people in the dental field. I remember one guy was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I swear every one of my patients is a dentist. And he's like, just right before you, there was a hygienist. Before that, there was a periodontist. And he was just going on about all these different dentists and his practices. So this is a real thing that I think almost all dentists will deal with at some point in their career because of our posture, because of, you know, probably 
a lot of it is we don't get much training or advice about it, you know, when we're, when we're going through it. And the other major part is that, you know, no matter what you do, there's going to be some bending over, some torquing, some adverse pressure on your back, your neck, your shoulders, everything. And, and I've met several surgeons, dentists, you know, people in the field who had to retire at a young age because of back pain. So it's a serious thing. And I think for a lot of people out there, switching sides can be a great thing that could really improve practice. Hope you found this helpful. If you have any comments or questions or you know, anything you want to discuss, feel free to contact me. My email is my first and last name, grantstuckey at gmail.com. That's G-R-A-N-T-S-T-U-C-K-I at gmail. Or you can also reach me on my cell, 720-775-5843. Have a great day and look forward to our future podcasts. Most will be with guests where I'm interviewing other surgeons about techniques they use in their practice. And several will also be solo ones where I'm kind of sharing some of my own things in my own practice. If you're interested in being on this podcast, I would love to have you. I'm you know, all constantly reaching out to other surgeons. But again, if you have something you'd like to share, please contact me. We'll get you on the podcast and get your information out there. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery, Surgeons Talking Shop. If you are practicing oral surgery or in the oral surgery field and would like to be on this podcast, please email me at grantstuckey at gmail.com or feel free to text me or call me at 720-775-5843. Also, if you have any topics that you would like to hear discussed or any feedback on certain episodes that have already aired, I would love for you to call or email me. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.